What's up, everyone? Welcome to another episode of Retro Encounter. As always, I am Josh Curry. With me is Chris Kabauer. Hello. And Mike Salosi. Hi, everybody. We are here to talk about the second half of Child of Light. As we discussed last time, we made it to Chapter 6, was it? Yes, we, right. we, we beat, the, we beat spider spider. Boss, the spider boss at the end of Chapter 6. And then went to the, uh, the moon shrine, I think, at the beginning of Chapter 7. Yeah, so Correct. now we, we have finished the game. We have... There were some surprises. Uh, <laughs> I I honestly was more shocked than anything else that there was legitimate story. <laughs> well, okay, that's that's being a little unfair. The first half of Child of Light uh, does have well, legitimate story. <laughs> but there, there's legitimate story, but it was kind of like... It was more cute, and it was... There was these little just, like bite-sized pieces that is more so... I, I felt like I, I more enjoyed the world than I enjoyed the story. Do you and, mean, like, specifically the idea of, like, first half it was more, find these three things, and all will be saved. And then at the end it was, well, well, these are your sisters, and your mom, your stepmom, and now it's personal. You mean, like, right. that kind of transition? Well, from yeah, I, I, I felt I, like it was a pleasurable jaunt. And then all of a sudden we trans we we went through the mirror and I was like, oh crap, we're yeah. in some real now. Well, I don't know. It just it, it caught <laughs> that that whole part caught me off guard. I so and I, I hate doing predictions on this show, but we had predictions. We did last episode. Mm-hmm. Um, someone was right. Eh, it was Chris. Maybe. <laughs> oh, that's right. Damn straight it was. Yeah, but I. Well, I mean, I understand what you're talking about, but I didn't. Um. I didn't think it was that surprising that the the first half was more lighthearted and in introducing different se- new settings and uh, new characters and the I mean the characters in this game are quirky as hell, but and then just the second half takes some darker turns and the stakes are very high and there's uh there's some weird death and darkness involved but it it ends on an yeah. optimistic note it was I I thought it was um the second half of Child of Light wrapped the story in a way that was pretty satisfying. It was a. I, I think it was actually. A, so, I think it was a fantastic story. Um, and I, I do like how it all comes really? together. I actually do think it is fantastic. It's a fantastic video game story. Okay. There you go. Okay. <laughs> okay. Oh, hey, I wanted the qualification. No, yeah, um, that's that's a valuable clarification. <laughs> um, I was just more. So we had made those predictions, and I, I came up with this crazy story, um, and. At the end of the day, even even when I was saying it, I was kind of expecting, you know, this 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 really ultimately probably we're not going to really have decent closure on any of this. Um, we're not going to really. I don't think we're going to figure out what's going on with her mom. I don't think we're really going to find out with her dad. And we brought up Limbo last time, and I and I, I kind of expected more of a Limbo esque ending. I expected it to still be happy and go lucky. Occasionally have some terrible bosses. There's going to be some battles. They had already set up who the enemies were going to be. And I, I figured those would be boss battles, and we'd be kind of done with it. And we would have been caught off guard that we looked way into this game and expected something, like some big surprises and whatnot, and ultimately the, the story was just wouldn't really be there. We'd be more, it'd be more of an experiential game of the world that we were in and the poem conversations. Um, and so I, and I know I say that after I had this crazy... Like conspiracy theory about how everything was going to happen, but I, I honestly didn't think we were going to get anything. Um, and so for as soon as Nora's like, "Yeah, by the way, I got you in a trap," it was one of those like, 
the kind of like the game and the world for me just like tilted. I was like, oh, this was this, this was not expected. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it th- sounds like I'm the only one that had that feeling. Well, no, go ahead. You you had Mike. You were speaking first. Um, I don't think my expectations were shattered exactly. Like I. I, I expected them to address the Queen of Darkness stuff and for the land to be saved somehow because that's the, I mean that that's the most normal story arc that they were setting up, but it it was pretty cool that they twisted it into directly involving her stepmother and stepsisters that were only involved uh, only mentioned at the be- at the first half of the game and then you meet Nora around chapter three or four I think and uh, and Chris was right on with his prediction that um that there is an evil stepmother and evil stepsisters involved and uh and and basically right at the end of chapter 7 beginning of chapter 8 Nora reveals that her that uh that her her sister and her mother are the last are the last scions of this uh of the evil you know queen of the night family line or something and they're and they're trying to eliminate the uh the queen of lights family line which is aurora but they they uh, right when they're tr- they try to kill her they can't because of some protection from her crown am I, am I am i yes. am i misreading this no okay no, no you're you're correct yeah, so the crown had, was crown had magic on magical... it Right. Okay, so so they lock her up instead. That's and... why at the beginning of the game, the she, was it actually the Queen of Light that you met at the very beginning? No, uh, that's that was the... her mom that she met at the very beginning, right? No, I think the Lady of the Forest is someone else. Okay. Uh... Well, anyways, the, the Lady of the Forest, though, that's why she tells you to keep that crown on at all times. Yes. Um. It, well, okay, this is gonna get weird. And I, I did a little bit of reading and and talking to some of the NPCs near the end of the game when I was doing right. side quests, mm-hmm. and and they talk about how um, Lemuria, the land where they are, was founded by four great explorers, and what like and and the forest, plains, cliffs, and ocean are named after those four, and the the uh, Queen of Darkness is descended from one of them, the Queen of Lights descended from one of them, and I think the Lady of the Forest is a deity descended from another one. Okay. So, like, so, like, Lady of the Forest is an ally of yours, but she is not the Queen of Light. She's a, a separate, benign oh, person. Oh. But it's uh, outside the I, altar I is the Lady it. of the Forest who reveals herself to be the Queen of Light. Wait, it, it, mother. she is the Queen of Light. The, yep. I still don't. You see, that is the one thing that bothers me the most about this game, but uh, about the story in the game. But we can talk about it later because that's at the very, very end. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah they I, packed I, a lot I, in at the yeah. end. I thought that that, that that was the Lady of the Forest, which is why it's the reveal of Hunchback Old Woman to ha-ha, Majestic Queen of Light that we saw in the flashback where I died. <laughs> but, and I love how then that that's never addressed. It's like, we saw you die. And uh, sh- should I just jump into my problem with this? Because it goes right into the oh, end. Yeah, but go ahead. Or, or do we I, think so. I think so. Okay, now we know that Aurora dying um, in the real world sent her to, to Lemuria. And... Yes. Uh, and her mother, the Queen of Light, was the Queen of Lemuria, and she was defeated by the Queen of the Night, who has been slowly taking over Lemuria and shrouding it in darkness, right? Yeah, and she was poisoned, I guess, in right. in, in Austria, so, not in Lemuria. Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get a little weird here. Like, we made comparisons to Wonderland and Oz in the first episode, mm-hmm. and, and, and those were fair comparisons for several reasons. But um, this reminds me a lot of an old Astrid Lindgren book uh, that I read as a child called uh, The Brothers Lionheart, where these two boys that die get transported to a mysterious world. 
and they and they have to huh. and they have to right the wrongs in that world af- after death. But it basically it it has death as a as like a step in the journey and doesn't and and the land in in Brothers Lionheart isn't really an afterlife so much as an other world. Right. So that's what this reminds me of. I think I think what happened was the the um, Aurora's mother was poisoned and died, and that sent her to Lemuria, where the she uh, then gets imprisoned. Where she's imprisoned or defeated. I think. Yeah. But it, but and uh, and then a similar thing happens to Aurora. She's poisoned and died, and goes to Lemuria, and she tries to save the world. But my problem is, I'm just what happened to the Queen of Light? I, did she die in Lemuria? <laughs> did she just did she just get sealed know. away? That's one thing I really don't know, and it doesn't. Again, in kind of that traditional fairy tale thing, it doesn't need to explain any of it. It just kind of happens, and you just go with it. I, so to kind of yes. to the point for Mike, before, it does need to be explained. No, 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 no I don't, I, I don't mean I, it in that way. I, because I'm actually with Mike. It's like for the sake of the story, like you said before, Josh. It's like it's it's fine for that little fairy tale jaunt we've been going along the way. It works. Mm-hmm. So good job. I I, I don't but always it, need it things explained. It is frustrating. It is frustrating a little bit to be like, oh, I, because the game has so much charm and character and its art and its world building of just design. Mm-hmm. I think it does. For for us, from what it sounds like, there's that little part that's like, no, I want there to be more. I just want it to be a little more yeah. populated. I want it to have a little more soul, and for it to just kind of be like, oh, and here, this is how it ends. There's this, there's that. So one of the blam, it's like oh, one damn. of the things I always think about for this is, uh, I, I think we naively always assume that how our world is is what everybody else's has to be. Right. Um, mm-hmm. And. So, so I, I kind of go two routes with the whole mother thing. Um, one, it sounds like she died a decent amount of time ago. So maybe she was there for a really, really long time. And then for whatever reason, she's able to be regenerated like down, whatever. Um, the other thing is I, I, I see parallels between what happens to her, like Queen of Light, compared to what actually happens to Aurora during the story. Because there's, there's two specific times that you actually age. And you basically age by accomplishing something. Um, and maybe by the Queen of Light being... And granted, we, again, it still doesn't... None of this is explained. But by her losing power, it causes her to age negatively. Mm-hmm. And then by the balance being kind of reinstated at the end, that's what allows her to kind of be more okay. Maybe Does that kind um, of make sense. Yeah, yeah. Having the sun, the power of the sun, moon, and stars taken away from Aurora's mother had her age rapidly into a crone. And when Aurora gathered those three back, it uh, it restored Aurora's mother's powers a little bit. That's possible. I think it's. Right. I, I think it. Um, my interpretation is that age doesn't have a lot of meaning in Lemuria, because I mean, Th- Finn is thirteen years old and he looks like a, fe- a fully bearded dwarf. And uh, yeah, but I mean, it's but but like but but I mean, Aurora is not a dwarf. Why is why does why does she visibly age and become more regal when she uh when she obtains the new powers? It's I I think basically Lemuria doesn't have like like the powers and and age that happens, universal laws, yeah, it has it, it has its own set of rules and. I, I don't need everything explained necessarily. That's not uh, no, how I know my that's mind works. But I, I just I just felt I, I just felt it was inconsistent 
in, yeah. in, in having, you know, it felt like Aurora's mother was dead and gone and the world fell into ruin because she was dead and gone. And, yep. but then she's able to come back without like come back instantly and, and save Aurora from death out completely out of left field. Totally so I, with, yeah. yeah. So th- that was, that was the inconsistency that bothered me. Not that everything wasn't perfectly explained. Oh yeah. Um, but, but to me, it's like my jumping off of that was more, uh, it, like me, Christopher, I like I I like this game so much that I want more, and that it's not there, which is it is a disappointment, but it's also not what they were going for. And uh, yeah. all right, I'm I'm gonna piggyback off of that. Uh, th- 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 this <laughs> game was this game was not very long. I finished it in oh. I think eight hours, and I and I and I took my sweet time exploring around and doing side quests and messing around with Oculus gems stuff. Uh, so and so I'm pretty sure you could easily beat this game in in six. So, do you think the game was? Would you have preferred the game went on a little longer? Maybe go on to twelve or thirteen chapters, or do you think it was just right how it was? I think in terms of gameplay design and the loop they have, lengthwise, it was fine. I think if the game had an extra couple more hours, I think the grind would become a little too much. I also in think at of... some point, the way it's written would really piss you off. Yeah, potentially. I, I... I think Give it's... it more rope, there's more of a chance for you so, to hang yourself, kind of thing. Right. I, I think they did a very good job with it. Um, I, I think at some point, if you if you have to read that for 50 hours, and I know you're not saying a 50-hour game, but like... No, no, no. It At some point, it just becomes too much. And I I like I like having those bite-sized games. I, I feel like there's too much of this, this drive to have these games that, look, quite honestly, most people can't ever finish because it takes too long. Um, and so to have a relatively concise story, a relatively concise experience, um, absolutely there's stuff that I'd like to be added, um, just kind of padding out a few things about relationships and whatnot. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, it's a neat little package. It is, and I, I agree with you. But I think, um, I, I mean, like, the, the perfect video games, or like the best video games, never wear out their welcome, Right. Like you're right when you are right before you're worried you might be getting bored. The game is over and and it was satisfying. But uh, for Child of Light, I think I could have stood for it to be a little longer because I I wasn't fatigued yet. And uh, also like uh, um, Angus and Jen join you in chapters eight and nine, and <laughs> like you don't even get to hang out with them for at all uh, and before yeah. the game's over. Yeah, they're, they're like really cool. cool characters. Yeah, they are. And uh, and you fight um, Nora, whose real name is Knox, and the Queen, whose whose real name is um I think Umbra. Mm-hmm. Yeah, or, yeah, yeah. You fight Knox and Umbra back to back without even really a final dungeon. You just sort of are you're in the hanging out in the sun shrine for. In all fairness, there's barely minutes. dungeons in this game. Yeah, and it, which so the dungeons were 15 minute experiences, and it was you it was even really easy to avoid combat because uh, you could. You had a free stun or blind, and you could just fly around people, and the enemies rarely chased you unless you got right in their faces. So uh, the uh, the gameplay loops in Child of Light are so brief and so easy for the most part. I wouldn't have mind if there were a few more of them. It uh, again, I mean, the game ends in ten chapters. I would have been okay if it was a little longer, but I mean, longer than if it went longer than twelve or thirteen, I would probably start to have got to have gotten bored and. But that didn't right. happen. So with 
kind of length and we've talked about length and story. Um, one of the things that really struck me with this, uh, which at the end of the day, almost every story fits into this, but you guys are aware of uh, Hero with Thousand Faces by Joseph Campbell, kind of the hero's mm-hmm. jury outline. Oh, right. Like, yeah. Okay. So I'll just send this to you guys. Um, it, this story follows that pattern extremely well. Um, going from kind of a call to adventure, refusal of the call, me and the mentor crossing the threshold, yeah. test and allies approach, the death and rebirth, reward seizing the sword, the road back, resurrection, return mm, with yeah, the it's, it's, so, it's sort of um, like a sort, I mean, it, it, it's a type of story arc, just like just like a save the cat moment or something, or a uh, or even a Chekhov's gun, which we've talked about on podcasts before. It's just story right. conventions that fit specific ways and work for a reason. Right. Um, so there's kind of a couple interesting things with that. One of all, I, I think it fits near perfectly, um, with the only exception of the kind of step eight of ordeal, death, and rebirth. I, I feel like there's not really a death for this individual. It's more of a rebirth and that's when they she first grows um but what i found super super interesting is the hero's journey is split into ordinary world and special world and crossing the threshold and the road back is supposed to be the transition from the ordinary world to the special world and then the road back is obviously going back to the ordinary world mm-hmm. um when we are introduced into uh lemuria she's already in quote-unquote this special world but i'd almost kind of when you look at how the story works out crossing the threshold to me is her crossing over and being in the trap in chapter eight um and i so i'd almost argue if we were to just stay with joseph campbell's kind of assertion here that the ordinary word world in this story is actually lemuria um which seems super odd but then that kind of and i know this i'm trying to make this fit no no i know what you but it, it it also kind of harkens to the point that she brings everything that from that original like her original land, all her people, back through the mirror to this to Lemuria, and that becomes the new world. They're kind of creating yeah, a new society. Um, I thought that was an interesting I, I, twist. In um, because basically the way you're framing it is um, the hero's journey between two worlds. Uh, Lemuria sh- seems like it should be the special world, but they flip it a little bit, and ha- because the uh, the the moments in the hero's journey on the in the image that you linked the of uh, the death and rebirth, seizing the sword and resurrection, they take place at the um, after the journey through the special world, or uh, when she's trying to return to Austria, the quote unquote real world. It it flips a little bit, but in. Uh, to use a, a comparison that we've hit on a couple times, it's almost like uh, when Dorothy returns to Kansas, she, uh, instead of instead of saying "I saw all of you there," she brings everyone that's there in Kansas with her back to Oz. Is is how Child of Light felt to me the the ending. I thought the ending was beautiful because because they it's it's an incredibly touching. It's very yeah, sweet. Yeah, because in towards the end, but are we in, talking about Oz or? In Child of Light, um, okay, because <laughs> because like uh, you you hear you see in a flashback in chapter eight or nine that um, that her father's uh, dukedom is is flooding and might and might be done, mm-hmm. and uh, but then at the very end when after you defeat the queen, you and your friends that you met in Lemuria go back to Austria and take everyone in Austria to Lemuria and they all help rebuild Lemuria uh, with her and then you get this very adorable ending credit song. 
From the five hilltops. Yeah. And it's it it, it felt like a fairy tale ending, but it, it wasn't didn't. it wasn't really similar to most fairy tale endings I had heard before. It was it, it was a totally fair subversion of a fairy of what felt like a real fairy tale. It was it was terrific. I thought the uh the the end sequence in Child of Light was great. Yeah, I mean, I and there's so many elements of this that it they steal certain notes from fairy tales. Her there's... name is her name is Aurora, who's the princess in Sleeping Beauty. Yeah. yeah, I mean, and then there's evil stepmothers, there's dragons, and there's stepsisters. there's yeah stepsisters. They're of course evil because no stepsister can be good. Um, there's a partner that has no bravery. Like, <laughs> like you can start going through this, and there there's stuff They're all over the boxes place that are very recognizable. But mm-hmm. at the end of the day, they 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 have all that that they base certain elements of the story around, and they you're absolutely right. At the end of the day, they switch it up and do something original. Um, yeah, and it, it it leaves you with uh, and that's right. I I think ultimately you have this. I want more because it was so original at the end that you're so you're so happy with it. it. It like it it brought a really good feeling to me. So I was in a really good place when I finished it. I and I I think that happiness yes. or that like good feelings like yeah I'll do more of this because th- I feel great right now. I would have liked more of a final dungeon because you uh, you get to the end of the Sun Shrine and then you defeat Nox and then you immediately fight her mother Umbra. We, I didn't even get to mess around with my Oculus or, or switch my party up before doing that. So I wouldn't I wouldn't have mind some kind of Chapter Eleven final dungeon, but uh, but I mean or a not better way that. to use your Oculus is uh, Oculus. Yeah, yeah, sure. About in the first episode. <laughs> Sure, but uh, consistency is key, so I like it. <laughs> and 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 also also by the end of the game, um, my favorite character to use was Angus. So I uh, yeah, that guy was great. He was terrific, and I would I would have loved another dungeon to mess around with uh, with using him. And I, I used basically the the opposite of Josh Curry's strategies, where I would uh, I would have I would have Angus present almost I would have Angus present almost all the time, and the second party I would switch out Aurora to do the attack boost. Uh, Tristus to do the speed boost, and then uh, and then Finn to back him up with magic. I would just do lots and lots of boosts with Angus slashing everybody. What levels were you at when you finished the game for your Honestly, characters? I, I don't remember. Um, I remember I, I was not at level 50, but it was in within reach. I think I was at level 46 or 7. Okay, okay. So that, 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 that makes me feel good, because I, you know how you said it took you 8 hours, but you could probably get through it in 6? Yeah, uh-huh. I'm the guy who did it in five and a half, six. Mm-hmm. But the end was a little stressful and a little frustrating. A lot of one-hit kills going on because I was really underleveled. Okay. It came, it came very hard. And uh, those final bosses, I could not pull off combos like that. So I'm listening <laughs> okay, to you. Okay, I, w- I was a little <laughs> – yeah. I probably overleveled a little bit. I um, I, I didn't fight every single enemy I saw, but I, I did fight most of them or a, a great many of them. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I was maybe a little over-leveled, but I didn't think the last uh, two bosses were that challenging. No, they were part, part, part of why, because, because, I mean, I'm, you know, I am experienced at RPG strategy, and, well, for sure. and I effectively handled everything. Really through. good at games. No, I'm really not. If anything, I've gotten worse at games over the years, but I, I, know how, I know how RPGs work, so I was able to just RPG my way through this game. But I probably was a little over leveled, and uh, I, I yeah. think I actually was a higher level than you because I think I broke into the fifties. 
Yeah, I was at thirty-five, so I was I was right there. Yeah, fun. I got. I, I, I didn't have a tremendous fights. difficulty with the final bosses. Yeah, it was not. Fun. Um, yeah, so I actually kind of disagree with you, Mike, about the final dungeon. Um, one of the, I, and I get it's really hard to finish a game, but one of the things I usually really hate about endings to games is like the reliance on having a really really difficult dungeon or a really difficult final boss. And I understand there has to be something there for you to conquer. Otherwise, it, it leaves you feeling with just like, well, okay, well that was nothing. Um, but at the same time, I, I feel like to be able to effectively pull that off, you either have to add in something gameplay-wise that doesn't match what the rest of the game has shown you, or you have to make it just enormously tedious and difficult. Um, so to a certain regard, I actually found it refreshing that you kind of it stuck to its guns and there wasn't a tremendous dungeon and it just kind of, it was what it was. No, I, I disagree with you wholesale. It's, um, it, it's, it, I don't think it ever, I don't think it would be betraying what it was to add another dungeon because the, the like the end sequence of the game is chapter eight, uh, you, you defeat one of your stepsisters. Then chapter nine is another journey chapter. Chapter 10, you defeat another one, you defeat the second one of your sisters and then immediately go to the final boss. With a uh, with uh, a, a transition that I thought was a bit jarring. I thought I, I thought maybe you know going through uh, the, a theoretical evil queen's castle up up uh, up to f- before fighting her, even if it was another brief dungeon like the Sun Shrine and Moon Shrine, I think that would have been a little bit better for pace reasons because it's just it seemed to go a little too quickly uh, from a dungeon that didn't feel like a final dungeon. Then dungeon boss, final boss. I, I think it could have stood. Oh, I, I would have been fine with that. Yeah, but I, I'm, I'm not. Sa- I, I, I'm I not saying you... there. I'm not saying there should have been an epic, hours long super dungeon like. Right, path that's to... that's no. how I was interpreting what you were saying. No, Sorry. no, I'm, I'm not talking about like a. Yeah, I mean, my. I think the worst example of that is in Dragon Quest II. The road to Rhone is just this three awful dungeons in a row where you can't save or heal in between any of them. I'm not, I'm not saying. Sounds like a dream. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not saying. <laughs> oh, and and then at the end of those, there's a, you have to fight two bosses in a row. Oh, good god. But I, I'm not saying I want a Dragon Quest two situation. I'm just saying there. I, I there could have been another dungeon with some dialogue and an air of finality to it. Just to flesh Bef- some stuff out. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Before oh, that, the final that's boss. That's absolutely fair. Yeah. Yeah, I I, I would have yeah. been fine with that. Because it, it seemed a little abrupt. I, the sunshine yep. didn't feel like a final dungeon, and it packs a lot into the last hour. Yes, yes. Where maybe, the first maybe, five is very light, so maybe even it, less it than... feels very, very end heavy, and you're like, okay, oh god, yeah, it might even be less than an hour. That was one of those things I was thinking about it as we were getting ready for the show, and there wasn't a tremendous story wise to discuss for the first uh, episode of the podcast. It, it works out because we got to discuss. Yeah, we got to discuss kind of like how the game works, how it looks, the little bit of kind of gameplay. But then, like the second half, there was just story everywhere, and it felt yeah. like there was moments that we were kind of cramming it together. But that's why, I, like going back to the, my first statement when we first started, is like in a certain regard, it caught me off guard because I was like, "This, this was not how this game was paced originally." Um, and maybe I, I'm feeling that a little bit more because of how it ends, the kind of rapid fire that we get in. Yeah, I think that it's just the pacing of it is very sudden. 
it's just all of a sudden we, we get these little morsels in the first again like seven eight chapters or seven chapters let's say and then there's the turn of the reveal of your sister and your and your stepmother and then all of a sudden every boss fight and every you know end of chapter moment is much more of a reveal or a flashback to that moment with your mom or looking more in on your father and the constant mm-hmm. check in there all of a sudden instead of it being you know an every once in a while a you know a little hint of what's to come it's now straight up just like yeah, this is where we're going and the next step is here and it just it 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 goes real quick i mean that everything of consequence we've talked about was two chapters One of the nice things, though, I will say is um, it didn't really suffer from mass effectism. um, Okay, I see you. Yeah, sure. Where, like, where where the the, the the ending of it is almost feels like a betrayal, like, not enough? No, 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 I'm not not going to Mass Effect 3. I'm going Mass Effect 2 on this. Um, Oh, Oh, you mean, like, unresolved entirely? No, no, no. (laughs) Just let me finish. (laughs) Um. Like, and I, oh, I feel like a lot of RPGs do this, where, like, the world is going to end. This is really serious. Like, we need to figure this out super quick. But you know what? I'm going to go on this side quest, or I'm oh, going to okay, do this yeah. for oh. this person. Um, it, it, there it, it was... Feels, uh-huh, I get it. The world is ending. For this, there was an element of... Go away for a month. Don't worry about it. I'll be yeah. back in a... Yeah, just... I'll... I know that you guys are being invaded, but I'm just going to go do this for a little bit you so good. I can level up and I can find this weapon. And yeah, and at least in this, like, it is it is slightly hurried, but there there is an element of, like, we need to get this taken care of and they get it taken care of right away. Um, and maybe that, maybe we like the video game-ism of being able to wander off and do other things, but there was a sense of urgency and they fully committed to that sense of urgency, I guess. Yeah, they they see it through. They do a they good job you. of uh, of of raising the stakes in the final couple chapters and having you sort of hurdle towards a finish. But um, um, to go back a little bit, you were saying how the, like the first six chapters uh, have pacing way different from the last three chapters, and uh, and really chapter nine feels like the first six chapters because it's it's a bit of a tour. You're you're like oh here's a new setting, here's a new village. They have a new they have a problem and we'll resolve the problem. Yeah, but it, it's it's really only chapters eight and ten, <laughs> the and the end that of chapter crazy. And, yeah, and then and the end of chapter seven maybe, but uh, um, I I don't it, maybe that's why I felt like they could have used another end game chapter to flesh it out more because it uh be because of that um that shift in tone and the shift in pace, but I I didn't think it was bad. They keep consistently giving you new skills and new characters through the game so that you always feel like you're getting stronger and your party's growing stronger. So that part of, you know, the path that an RPG takes didn't feel bad. But the end did feel feel rushed. You only get gen for one chapter. Yeah, I mean, again, to your your point, nothing is underserved. She doesn't doesn't join you until the end of chapter 9. You have to defeat the ogre. Yeah, after you defeat the ogre, you come back and tell her. Yeah, then you, <laughs> They're only, all dead. Yeah. you only get her for chapter 10. Well, you tell her through song. You don't oh, really tell her. Yeah, that's right. Oh, yeah. You, yeah, you play your magic flute, and then spontaneously everyone's emotions just come out. They understand the truth. That flute becomes super important. <laughs> yep. <It does. laughs> you know, to answer or to talk about something you mentioned before about the universe that we're in in this game and the idea of uh, Aurora aging with 
the collection of the moon and the stars and the whatnot. I see that as to kind of what you talked about earlier. It's like that Narnia thing of this world has its own time. Oh, right. And it's crazy because when she shows up at the end to save everyone, they're like, oh, my God, the Princess Aurora. But there isn't a note in that cutscene of like, and she's so much older now. So to me, it becomes that kind of Narnia parable of growing up and existing even though they make it much more of a clear real world where these people can live, you know, until the end of time. But it is that kind of thing of they are existing in a separate world in space that doesn't follow our rules and they're happy. So we should be happy for them. Mm -hmm. But it's a a fairy tale other world that has its own rules. Yeah, it's completely own rules. So, to, again, about, like, your mom and all the rest of it is that there are things that this world we don't understand, even if it's a little bit like a, I was so sure that you were dead. Thanks, Mom. Thank you so much. Really enjoyed all that suffering I went through thinking you were dead when you spoke yeah, There's to also me. a reflection, though, of her maturing. Exactly. Um, the act and, and physical I, growth. <laughs> it's the physical growth to make sure that we understand that emotionally she is growing. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean it's, you... it's it's a coming of age story and they represent yes. they represent her maturity by having her literally mature in front of your eyes yes. physically. Just in yeah. case you guys couldn't figure out what we're doing. Look, she is older. Yep. Yeah. A little on the and nose, knows... but they make sure that we know. And she's learned more about the world each time. It's like my favorite example of of really blatant RPG metaphor is in Final Fantasy 4 when uh Cecil undergoes a character transformation by literally transforming into a new character. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This I is. I haven't put that in forever. Yeah. For so sure. they, they they really hit you over the head with it. Oh yeah, she's growing and maturing and becoming more like a queen and less yeah, like an and, and le- class. Yeah, and and less like an like an unwilling princess that doesn't like being called princess. Because I mean, I mean, she she matures when Angus calls her princess. She lets him call him call her princess. Yeah, she embraces it. Yeah, okay. and then and then she, you know, physically transforms and even and when she transforms a second time right at the end before the final boss, she she gets her own regal crown that is not fake because she she wears a silver crown that's a little different and a sort of a white regal dress that sort of like her mother used to wear. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah and I, I think uh kind of the ultimatum that Umbrum, Umbra serves about you can go back and be reunited with your father or you can refuse and can choose to fight me instead. Um, I, I think that that was the ultimate test for her. I, I think if that was given to her at the very beginning. Dad, um, I love you. I, I'm going to save you. Yeah. I think she chooses to just go with her father. Of course. Yeah. Um, and, it, hmm. and that was where it was really like she is, she is not the same person that she was when she started off. Yeah. It's not just about her needs. She right. now understands it's about everyone else. Right, and with that, because of the that, that new path that she's able to go on, it ultimately gets it to that she becomes a savior of her people. People, um, and that is not that was not at all in the cards when she first started the game. Like that was not who she was. That's not even who she wanted to be. And like you said, she she fully accepts her role and po- like the power responsibility that comes with that. And we get to see the tests over time and how she matures through them right yeah it's yeah. It, it, it's a coming of age story that happens in a very short amount of time but is uh but you you know you feel 
you you're along the ride for it. You're along her with meh, I can't speak today. You're with her along for the ride, and it's it's believable. I, I never felt like it was uh, it was cheap the transformation she went through. Right. Um, now, how about uh, I mean, we've talked about length, but for all those heroes that join us on the way, who are the ones you use the most, and who are your favorites? In the first half of the game, I used Finn and Nora the most. Okay. And then in the second half of the game, I Angus was the character I used the most right from right when he joined through to the end. And uh-huh. and I used almost everyone at, at least occasionally except for Robert. Interesting. But, okay. But, but so yeah, like my so Finn and Angus, I guess, were the, the my mains. Mm-hmm. But I I used everyone a little bit. Cool. Uh, as we kind of already talked, uh, Angus and Jen are both ridiculously cool. Um, yeah, they're great. So and, tr- and also, um, uh, sorry to interrupt, but Trist- Tr- Tristus joins in Chapter 7. and uh, Suicidal it, clown? Yeah, <laughs> the saddest clown of all. And Jen oh. joins at the beginning of Chapter 10, but they both basically have Nora's skill set. Because uh, cause yeah, Jen, yeah, Jen has paralyzers and delays and... Uh, Tristus has barriers and and haste spells. Yeah. Which were so like when when Nora leaves your party, she basically divided her move set in two between two of the late game characters. I thought I thought that was a neat touch. Yeah. There, so there was an element when they there. when they first took away your characters. I was like, I knew it. I waited this whole time for them to take my whole party away. Um. <laughs> although it was it was really really short. Yeah. Um, Thankfully. But. Oh god. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I used uh, I used the golem, which I know you guys. You know, nobody, we did not have we ended up downloading it. No, no. Okay. no I, I did check it. It was it's only three dollars on UPlay, but uh, I ended up not doing it. And oh, also just quick aside, UPlay is garbage. That is UPlay's terrible. It's UPlay it, is it, one of the worst things ever. Every time, because I played the game on PC via Steam, and I had to do deal with UPlay interfaces and and sort of overwrites all the time whenever I logged on and it even crashed during the end credits for me because of, because I, I don't know exactly what happened but I think it was like some 32 bit you play with my 64 bit system but it I don't know exactly what happened but yeah you play is garbage anyway go on Josh <laughs> um oh characters uh yeah. so we talked about it last time I I used primarily um Rebella and the golem in the first little bit um, I, but as it went on, I progressively used uh, Finn more, cause, just because his magic was so strong. Um, but uh, at the end, I tried to... I mixed in uh, Agnes and uh, Jen, because again, they just... I really, really so like those character designs. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, and they, and they fit a pretty, a pretty uh, strong character arc for Angus in, like in like a 20 minute time period because he because yep. uh, he he's a slave of the queen of darkness he's guarding your cell when he realizes you're the princess of light and he says maybe you can make the world how it used to be so he frees you and joins you and then while you're escaping that same dungeon he finds his comrades and you meet them and they turns out that angus is an outcast because he uh he's helping the queen of darkness at all and then, and then, and then, like another fifteen minutes later, at the end of the game, his comrades forgive him. It's like that—that that was a—that was an emotional roller coaster over forty-five minutes of game. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, again, they just, they they fit a that. lot of things in, in the really last, quickly. In, in the last three chapters, there's a lot more drama and more stakes than the first seven combined. <laughs> it's true. Yeah. 
they 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 that is a good point. They did a good job kind of having full story arcs for everybody. Um, even to a certain regard, they did it, the the main villains. They they tried to have some sort of motivation or closure with that as well. Um, I hate this, but they like the whole uh, Umbra, where it's like um, she was just trying to make a home. Yep. Yeah, she, a place I, where we yeah. belong. That's yeah, hard. she had been exiled from Lemuria to the quote-unquote real world, and part of her motivation for taking it over was to be able to return it and have it be their home again. But I mean, she there's an you know some feelings of uh, ambition and selfishness that had that had her try to remake Lemuria in her image, <laughs> which is a little different yeah. than just wanting a home. Yeah. So my my wife, which by extension the me, uh, watches a lot of Once Upon a Time. Uh, sure. Mm-hmm. And I, I feel like literally every villain at the end of the day wants acceptance, and they want somewhere to belong. And literally what goes through my mind every time I see that now is just like, stop being a dick. Yeah, it's like, kind of kind of like in you use a historical example when Genghis Khan conquered two thirds of Asia and part of Europe. He just really wanted the place to belong. And that place was everywhere in the world. <laughs> but, I mean, it's so true. Like, Just everywhere. You look, you look <laughs> at these characters and they want to fit in. They want to like, be part of something. It's like you're alienating everybody and anybody that gets close to you, you murder. Like, how are you expecting that anything's going to be like, go well for you? I don't know. So when, it, when she said that, I was like, oh, I hate you so much more now. <laughs> I'm glad you're dying. Like this is it's so. Like... Your bad lipstick needs to go away. <laughs> her her makeup her was her makeup was not on point, not at all. No, okay, no. focusing on it. Mm. Way off fleek. Way off fleek. Especially since, like, uh, I mean, Aurora's looking fierce as hell for that final battle with the the new crown and the new dress and no, the she's fl- bay. and the flow I mean, the flowing red locks. I mean, she looked terrific. Yeah, and uh, just. Absolutely, absolutely dropped the ball with Umbra. Yeah, yeah, the Battle of Impressions. She's for a the queen. Final ba- you thought, the f- you'd thought mm, she'd have, yeah. you know, much more. But she doesn't have any aids anymore because nobody likes her. No, no, she's a queen, but she ain't no Maleficent, even though she does turn into a big purple <laughs> dragon. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> they all do turn into dragons, and there's uh-huh. part of me that's just like, oh, I kind of wish I was a dragon. <laughs> well, okay. That, that... How cool would that have been if you just all of a sudden just busted into a yeah, dragon? Yeah, like a white dragon. Oh, man, and, yeah. and, and, and the final battle is just dragon versus dragon. Yep. Oh, that would have been cool. I thought that that was going to be a possibility. It would have been an unreal shooter. And I was like, damn it, I'm not a dragon. <laughs> Suddenly we're playing she a... shoot fire and dodge their fire. Yeah. Man. I'm actually happy that wasn't it. That kind of, <laughs> you know, that that kind of is how how some Breath of Fire games go, where you you turn it, you and the other guy both turn into dragons and fight it out. <laughs> but no, Child of Light is not Breath of Fire. Capcom doesn't make RPGs anymore. No, not at all. They make more games than Konami, so at least that's something. This is true. I'm well, not... I mean, <laughs> does Dead Rising count as an RPG? I still haven't played those games. Do slot machines and pachinko machines count as games? Because maybe Konami yes. does make games. Ah, <laughs> uh, man, <laughs> screw Konami. But at least we're getting Metal Gear Solid with some zombies. Woo! Because we yeah. all wanted that. And Aurora's mm-hmm. gonna be a DLC character. So, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I mean, would I would consider Aurora DLC in other games. <laughs> Uh, yeah. You know, when I was looking for the Golem DLC, there actually is DLC to transform Aurora into two different forms. 
Each each one oh, has really? yeah. There's one that there's one that's like there's one that's like light Aurora and one that's darkness Aurora, and they change how she looks and give but each not. each one gives her a new spell, and you get a bunch of Oculus gems with it. But it's it's actually a little bit concerning how there was oh. a bu- there was a lot of UPlay DLC again. UPlay is garbage that uh, that allow you <laughs> that just gave you um, uh, Oculus items and Stardust items. Stardust items are the ones that increase your stats by a small amount. Yep. And the yeah, whole... I, so I pre-ordered this game because I was super excited for it back in the day. Mm-hmm. That's why I had the Golem DLC, and I think I don't. Maybe I do have the DLC with the costumes. I don't know, um, but I I think I have all of the DLC for the gems and yeah, the it, upgrades it's... and whatnot. So it probably gave you a and bunch of like... a bunch of extra gems and upgrades plus the Golem stuff. Crap ton of them. Right. Okay. No, you just got yeah. that because you were cool. Well, yeah. You just knew. I'm no, kind but, of a big deal. Yeah, but um, there, there was a lot of. But yeah, I actually purposely don't use those because I like you could tell from the beginning. I was like, they gave me too much stuff. Like I should <laughs> not. Like this would make this game ridiculously easy. But then for the final dungeon, you uh, you you know you combine them all together so you could have a sweet loadout for your last for the last run, right? Yeah, just eat I all the power forgot candy to do it. it. Of course, <laughs> I like legitimately forgot to do it. I forgot it was there. Um, the bonuses are significant, but I'm sure you could play a no Oculus run of this game without difficulty at all. But I I did have a I did have a uh, um oh shoot the the last the last gem that you get the gold one I did have a brilliant version of that one thrown on to Angus because it gave him like 35 percent extra physical damage. God, that character was awesome. Yeah, he's terrific. He's he's I mean I mean I don't I didn't get to play with the golem but if you don't have the golem Angus is your Angus is your tank. Yeah, he's like your, your big damage. Tank. Yeah, he's your hard-hitting tank and he is great. I used him a lot. I think the only other person who did as much physical damage was Robert with some of his skills. Yeah, Robert has a lot of it, um Robert's a little weird. He he's a little frail, but he has yeah. a couple moves that hit twice and a couple moves that can inflict like delay and poison. But yep. so he he can deal okay damage, but I it, it never felt like you know meaty damage. It felt like sort of no, slit. no, it's not the same. It doesn't yeah. feel like you've just bashed a dude's head in. It was no. more just good damage across the board. It's it's slippery damage, and also he was uh and also he wasn't you know he wasn't very robust. So and and I liked using Angus both as a tank and as the main damage engine. Right. So we liked it, right? Oh yeah, yeah. End um, of the day, I, yeah. like I bitched a little bit about uh, how it all wrapped up, but I thought it was a great game. Mm, and I, to what we said honestly, about last time through, it's like it is such to me. It's still such a great game to be like, hey, person who's never played an RPG, get an understanding of mechanics. To your point from last episode, Mike, about that Hydra battle, it's like understand resistances, Pokemon style. It's yeah, no, yeah. It it communicates um, that uh, basics of RPGs very smartly in this game and there's a lot of freedom that you have like the the skill trees are easy to understand the gem system is easy to understand it's it's gorgeous and fun to play through it doesn't wear out its welcome i think child of light's great and a few small hang-ups about the ending aside i would i would recommend it to just about anyone that likes video games i i really only have one massive massive complaint about child of light and it's not really even centered towards child of light um but we spent the first i don't know 10 15 minutes of the last podcast talking about how wonderful it was for ubisoft to be taking all these kind of experiments and really that's the only thing that's really disappointing to me is they're having I, more of those yeah i would have loved more of these um Instead i don't need of the child one of light year too. Of creativity yeah i don't need child of light too 
I, I think this has a nice little bow on it. I don't want a prequel. I don't want a sequel. I would like something else. Um, and it's fine even if it's the same kind of battle system and whatnot. But they, there is so much here that is done correctly. Like I, I really enjoy how the story is told. I love the art in this game. Um, the battle system's fun. I love flying around all over the place. Like there's lots of things that I like about it. So I would have liked for this team to move on to something else, where they could kind of still try out the whole RPG, do some tropey things, do some experimental things, but come up with some other package that I, I'm willing to bet would be brilliant, just like this. Yeah, I um they had. Child of Light come out the same year as Valiant Hearts, and those were really the only two Ubi Art Engine games that felt like you know these true like indie productions of a big budget studio. Yeah, and uh, off the beaten path titles. For exactly, that. and um and one of Ubisoft Ubisoft's other uh, um sub subdivisions did grow up and grow home, or I'm sorry, grow home then grow up. Yes. Which which were similar, you know, indie productions, but with large studio backing. But we haven't had many of those from Ubisoft, which is too bad because they're they're I think they're all good. And even if you don't think they're good, if they're not your kind of game, it's a little bit heartening to see them make an effort to put a lot of craft into a small type of game instead of obviously chasing the big check all the time with your Far Cries and Assassin's Creeds. Speaking, you know, strictly Ubisoft. So uh, yeah, I'm I'm with you, Josh. I'm. It's a little bit uh, disappointing that there aren't more efforts like Child of Light from Ubisoft in particular, and maybe AAA uh, game companies in general. Yeah, and that that was kind of what I was struck with at the end. Like I finished the game, I was like, I I'm really happy with this. I really like this. And then you kind of do that. This is more of like a music analogy, but like I really like this artist or this song. What else can I listen to? And it was kind of the same thing with this. Is like I really enjoy this. I like what they put out. What can I play that they also came out with? And it's like, well, Far Cry and Assassin's Creed. I already play those. Like that. <laughs> that's not scratching the same itch at all. Um, and that was where I was like, you kind of had that turn. Or like, well, I'm kind of frustrated because this this was actually really enjoyable. Yeah. Um, I know it's a small quibble, and it's a quibble that's not even centered towards Center of Light or uh, Child of Light, but. It's a quibble nonetheless, I guess. But yeah, yeah, overall, two thumbs up. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this this is a two good R. This is a, this is a good RPG. I yep, yep. very good one. Mm -hmm. it's, it's solid, absolutely. And a great little escape if you're just looking for something. To it was so nice after playing Tanganrampa. <laughs> yeah, okay, okay, yeah. There there are maybe some tonal differences between Tanganrampa and Child of Light. I will agree to that. So refreshing. Or insanity of the best kind, too. Yeah. Yeah, and Simple, uh, delightful, charming. And um, after the first podcast, you know, I was thinking about a bunch of fairy tales I read as a child, and that what got that's what got me thinking about um that Brothers Lionheart book. But this game feels like a fairy tale without maybe necessarily ripping off every fairy tale you've ever read. It, it felt like people that love fairy tales wanted to make a fairy tale RPG and they totally succeeded in doing so. Yeah, and and uh I mean we talked about it last time and we mentioned again the Valiant Hearts and this, but that reality of how uh just as a team with the UbiArt engine, it just feels like you sh 
the company would be so well served if they would just allow people coming off of other projects to be like, try your hand at this engine. See what you can come so, up with. Almost like uh, like what Double Fine does with their Fortnites and their, their just yeah. game jams. Just be like, here's this engine which was designed to be simple to create assets. Go have fun. What real like real talk moment here? Um, what do you think the industry's level of acceptance would be if the team behind like the teams, assuming they're different teams, teams behind Child of Light and Valiant Hearts got together and made a sixty-hour RPG or yeah, sixty-hour RPG like AAA um, coming out of Ubisoft? I honestly think a lot of people, and not in a mean way, would say, "Why what you guys are doing with with those smaller games and those kind of more." Uh, manageable five to ten hour experiences are just as valid and charming and I think people would be like you could just keep doing that because we have enough of the 60 hour stuff I, I, would, I think that's what the reaction would be I, I would react in a different way it's because Child of Light and Valiant Hearts were uh, designers or developers that uh, work on AAA gigantic games all yep. day. Like and that was their break. Yeah, exactly. Like I think they're they're all from some Assassin's Creed Rayman team mix, and and this was what they did instead. So if they went the other way and and made a AAA RPG, it wouldn't be it would not be why are these people working on a AAA game? It would be why is Ubisoft making a sixty hour RPG in twenty sixteen? Because right. that's, that was kind that, of the direction yeah, I was going with. Yeah, that's the, not really is... something that you see from a large Western studio. I mean, Ubisoft oh, is, is French. Yeah, yeah it, Ubisoft is French, but they have studios everywhere. Yeah, right. The... But it's not it's not Bioware from the Americas, and it's definitely not from mm -hmm. Japan. So why is this being made? And that's why I was kind of wondering if it would just be largely ignored. And I, I, we don't talk about game sales on this very often, but I mean, did Child of Light actually do well? Is that why they we haven't did. seen Child of Light two? Yeah, so the most of it is that both of both this and Valiant Hearts did solidly, but it was okay. nothing to write home about. I mean, it's the same way of how, uh, or in a similar way, it's like how the first Banner Saga was good enough, mm -hmm. and really got saved by uh, Steam sales and other stuff in terms of constantly getting it out there. But its sequel has not done well so far, even though it's a great game. Yeah, to an extent, with really a lot good. of these, they're great. But once people have had that, you know, I've had my, uh, for a lot of people when they dip into the indie space, it's not something that they really play a lot of. And so they go, that was my one game that I'm going to go back to my, uh, my AAA. Because when it comes to what unit attachment or software attachment rate to a console, the average is like it's five, six games a year. This is and the Vita. Good. Yes, exactly. Except for the Vita, which is now close to like high 20s to 30s. It's nuts. Which is way, way beyond average. That's absurd. Um, so yeah, so if someone buys something like a Child of Light, that might be the only dip into that world that they take for a whole year, unless it's on PS Plus kind of thing. Or games. that's what I kind of was, that's what I was thinking. Is I was my guess would be unfortunately that this did not do whatever it was necessary to justify them to do this. With you add in then also the increased budgets that's necessary for kind of. PS4 and Xbox One. Yeah, it's it's just got to be. Which is why, again, the UbiArt engine, as just a as just a framework, is so fantastic because it was about making cheap, beautiful assets, and yeah, just I... make super simple. That's what's weird to me. It's like these games got made less because uh, about can they make their money and all the rest of it. It was more just take a break from the AAA, 
and it's going to be easy to do. So go ahead and do it. Right. Well, um, or easier because of course it's not easy. It's game development. I, I'm, I'm, I'm with you, but also uh, these games are recent. I mean, Child of Light came out in 2014. Valiant Hearts was 13 or 14. Grow Home was last year, 2015. So it's I, I don't think the door is closed on Ubisoft no. making more games like this. But, but they made a huge push and then didn't talk about these kind of games anymore after they both came out. Like Grow I, Home, sure, but... But, but also, also, like, these games weren't enormously hyped before they came out. They they had Ubisoft's backing and, and like, Child of Light came out on a ton of different platforms. Yeah. Uh, but, but there was a lot of there were a lot of previews and articles written because sites and publications did think that this was such a cool step for a publisher like Ubisoft to take. So there and, was while it wasn't, you know, marketing like TV marketing, totally, you're right. There was a lot of coverage. Yeah, it was absolutely Excite- celebrated and it was super easy to cover because it looked so good. Yeah. But also, I don't think they would have expected this to make a lot of money. I agree. I don't know. Sometimes, like, that type of stuff throws me off because, like, you hear the first new Tomb Raider and it sold, like, what, like, six million or whatever at the time. And they're like, yeah, it's a disappointment. It underperformed. I was like, Uh, well, okay. That was, was, you know, those were Japanese executives in a boardroom that were extremely out of touch and, and, and basically missaid that. That's the kind of comment that you keep in the boardroom and never let anyone in the public hear. Right. Where, where and it, you, but but for Child of Light, Ubisoft is doing the right thing. It probably didn't make enough money to justify its budget or at least its marketing budget. But I think they weren't trying to make a ton of money with Child of Light. They were trying yeah. to make an indie game that would... It was an experiment. Yeah, it was an experiment. And also maybe it would generate some goodwill for Ubisoft. Like, oh, we're big mean Ubisoft that everyone makes fun of for making two Assassin's Creed games a year, but here's this charming indie thing. Maybe Ubisoft will do a charming indie thing every other year just to, you know, just to curry favor with uh, with news outlets that think of Ubisoft as a big soulless game conglomerate. I, I don't I don't think Child of Light was supposed to make a lot of money. No, but but that that that's not what I was trying to infer is in like, oh it didn't make its money so it can't have another sequel. I just mean more of you're right. I don't think they expected it to be, you know, sell gangbusters and make a huge profit. But they have a framework to allow anyone to hypothetically create smaller games that I'm sure I know Child of Light made its money back because it did sell well enough. Like it sold of at least a few hundred thousand copies, which I have to assume for that game and its size probably paid its budget I'm, back. Maybe I haven't I, I haven't done any research into it, but I uh, I but would not, I would again, not be surprised less... if it lost money. But I don't. I don't, fair, I don't think. I don't think. I don't think that's, that's as Valiant important. Hearts. I think that's a, definitely with Valiant Hearts, but I'm not sure. Okay. And and the, to wrap it up, you're right because now we're getting way belaboring it. But it's that idea of let other people, let other people within your company take that same shot. And that's the one thing I haven't heard talked about that that's disappointing. Right, is there so, that push behind it of like we're going to let all these people create fun stuff? So this was an article from two years ago. Oh, you found it. No. <clears throat> um, speaking to, uh, let me make sure I get the name right. Um, the creative director from Far Cry Three, and by extension, he was the uh, kind of like the the lead for Child of Light. Oh, Child of Light, right? Um, speaking of the success, it, it's not as profitable as Assassin's Creed is profitable, 
but it's profitable enough that we would have uh, been able to fund a sequel. Um, after working on Far Cry 3, um, I, I feel like he, he meant to say I, I didn't want to make Far Cry 4. But they said, Pat, if you do that and help build that brand, we're going to give you a free shot at the game you want. At most, Child of Light's team was made up of 40 individuals, and Plord, Plord, Plordy also revealed that the overall cost was a couple of million. Um, the success of Child of Light has perhaps vindicated Ubisoft's decision to allow its developers to experiment alongside their work with AAA uh, titles. Um, and then moving on from there, um, he states that they have given... Um, they give, have given the go-ahead for them to work on an additional personal game. I don't know. This is two years ago, so maybe that was Grow Home. No, Grow Home was a separate studio. Yeah, it but maybe of, that it means it's something still in development on the side. Yeah. To Mike's um, point, maybe there's just and it's a not, small projects we don't know about. The article kind of makes it refer to that with Far Cry 4 being done, now we could possibly, or in the at the time it was in its closing stages, we could be seeing something from a small portion of that team coming out as well. Yeah, I, I think there will be more small Ubisoft games like Child of Light. They may or may not use the UbiArt engine, but I I don't think it's as I important. So. I don't think they're 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 not trying to make mil, like tens of millions of dollars. No. Like like like, like an, if an Assassin's Creed or a Far Cry game does not make tens of millions of dollars, it's a failure. If one of these does not make tens of millions of dollars, it's not a failure. It's just an yeah. exper it's an experiment that didn't cost them that much to make. So I I think there will be more games like this. But I don't know what they will be like, or if they'll be Child of Light two or not. It's uh, it, what Ubisoft did a very cool thing, and hopefully they continue doing this cool thing. Yeah, yeah, and that's I think that's uh, a great cool. way to wrap up the counter conversation. Is uh, we're all very happy. Um, yeah, I, I guess a call to action to the people that are listening: if there is like a developer out there that is doing something that you like or you want to support, the easiest way to support them is to actually buy, buy their, their games. Game, actually. Used play it and then make sure other people are playing it um yeah so get out there and use your wallets um, and then if you're pissed about call of duty doing the same crap every year don't don't buy it um but yeah <laughs> or buy small it. soapbox they do they do a great blockbuster action yeah but then don't don't turn around two weeks later and complain about oh i just had to shoot more people Look at all these monster clauses. They can't figure out how to do spawning of enemies still. You knew that's what was going to be going into it, so don't don't come to me crying. I don't think anyone is coming to you crying about Call of Duty games, Josh, so that problem's already solved itself. You'd, you'd be actually really surprised. Sure. Um, uh-huh. Okay. <laughs> I am very excited about the random messages you get on Twitter and Instagram. I imagine, like, <laughs> direct messages from Instagram. People being like, why? Why do they do it, Josh? Yeah. Exactly. See, I, I'm glad. Fast. I'm glad Chris at least knows my pain. I'm underestimating Josh's uh, clout as a tastemaker. <laughs> yeah, uh -huh. <laughs> that too. Okay. Yeah. Josh Curry, tastemaker. I was more referring to my friends, but okay, <laughs> these can be dicks. <laughs> um, so we uh, we've we've joked a couple times about how going from Danganronpa to Child of Light was a massive shift. We are going to have a very similar shift moving into November. Um, coming from Child of Light, we are going to move on and talk about Diablo 3. Um, Yay! Oh, again, not much game. different of a game that we can get, but uh, 
really good one. Diablo yeah, three, another another game that puts all of its story into the very end. There's just <laughs> yes, or at least that's yeah. worth kind I... of pretending to care about. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not going to. I'm not going to say Diablo 3 has a great story, but it is it is one of my favorite games to play just when I want to play a game and have fun and maybe and I'm I'm never searching for, you know, deep story or uh or moving dialogue in a Diablo game, but they're I think they're super fun and I can't wait to play more Diablo and talk about it with you later this uh later this month, Josh. Yeah, get really excited cuz with Mike on a podcast talking about Diablo 3. We might break the three-hour mark on one of our recordings. Um, yeah, I'm mm-hmm. excited, Mike, because it's it's just going to be you gushing. Yeah, I'm. Then... Yeah, you, you. We may need to develop a system to have you guys <laughs> administer electric shocks to me in case I start getting a little too intense. Well, yeah, I. It... No, because we already missed our. We should have done shock therapy to fix your fascination with. Uh, it's ball, and so we already missed mm-hmm. that. So right. I, I, yeah. at this point, just yeah, do whatever no, you want. Yeah, no, right now it's too far. I mean, now, now I love blitzball, and I want every sport to be blitzball, and it's kind of a problem. Yeah, you're you're already ruined. We should really just replace you with somebody that doesn't have yeah. terrible taste in yeah. sports I've, games. I've, I've spent so many hours playing blitzball. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was watching uh, as a kid, and the second time through, I played that game. Mm-hmm. I was watching. Uh, NBA's opening weekend a little while ago, and the whole time I'm just I'm just thinking, <laughs> come on, John Wall, do the jack shot. You, you, <laughs> what are you doing, man? Uh, you, you're running you're running into all these defenders, and they're always bottlenecking you. You just got a jack shot those assholes. You know why he couldn't? Because he didn't complete the mini game. Oh, he got too nervous. Yeah, yeah, that's the mini game on the ship, man. But you can you yep. he doesn't he know you can replay that if you mess up. No, no, he didn't nobody realize. Does that. He no, didn't realize. yeah, <laughs> you have to take the ship back and then back again and go to the and go to the front of it, and it's a pain in the rear. That's the worst. But, is that but, true? Actually, yes, I you can. Really yeah. Lucky that I got it. You okay, can, you good. can, Ooh. you can replay the jack the jack shot mini game. But uh, yeah, when it's, I was it's a, a kid, it's a pain. I'm so jealous of never and having that shot. I'm not sure you can do it for the first Blitzball game. Maybe you have to wait until you're done with Lucas stuff. But I uh, oh, you can actually do it in the in the first tournament. So yeah, it I did, becomes it, I did the it in the first time last time. No, 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 I'm talking about uh, about replaying the mini game. Oh, yeah, I, I'm not, well, I'm not just sure. Turn if... it off and replay it that way. Oh, okay, well, that's yes, but the ultimate way to replay <laughs> something. Yeah, the the long long story short, I was watching NBA games and thinking about Blitzball in the back of my mind. Maybe <laughs> you've been forever ruined. You're just tainted now. Mm-hmm. So I'm guessing you play it on your Vita, and so while watching basketball, you can just. No, I I haven't played FF10 since we played it for Retro Encounter, but I I just really liked Blitzball and uh and Josh and it's Peter. It's really good. It's really good. Yeah, Josh like and it. Peter gave me a little bit of crap for it. A little bit? Mhm, yeah. Hey, look, I spent also a lot of time with FF9's card game, even though I'm not even sure if I completely oh, still understand it to this day. I, I love it. I have <laughs> God, prob- I love it. I think I have lost at least a full 24 hours of my life to Chocobo Hot and Cold. Over over multiple oh, yeah. plays oh, of FF9. So much. Yeah. Oh god, so. I played that stuff so much. <laughs> Speaking of Final Fantasy, um, we also have. I think we've mentioned this before. Um, Mike and Alana sat down and discussed Final Fantasy VI for a decent amount to kind of go over her experience because it was her first time playing through it, and that she right. wrote a wonderful feature on the website, and then 
they touch on some points from that, and then I'm sure there's massive amounts of gushing about how wonderful Final Fantasy yeah, VI is. Yeah, that, that's a really, really gushy podcast because it was. She played it for the first time earlier this year. It's been one of my favorite RPGs for 20 years, and we just gushed about FF6 for 45 minutes or so. It's uh, we had a lot of fun recording it, and um, I'm. It, we might still play FF6 for this podcast eventually. I'm not saying that'll never happen. But yeah, we. But most we I'm saying it's going to happen at some point. <laughs> okay, yeah. all right. Down the line. Well, in either regardless, <laughs> regardless, there is now a bonus round that you will be listening to soon, where Alana and I talk about FF6 a lot. Yeah. And if you and don't know about FF6, weird, worth listening to. It's a lot of fun. Weird time loop thing because this will happen afterwards. But in a couple of days, Mike and I will have our BlizzCon podcast but this post after that so yeah we have not recorded the yeah, blizzcon podcast yet it and you'll enjoy it. <laughs> we have not recorded it yet but it will have already been posted by the time you the listeners listen to this podcast so hopefully you've already enjoyed that so yeah, so yeah hopefully josh and i both loved everything about blizzcon but i truthfully do not know at this point yeah i, I really enjoyed that announcement of uh, starcraft ghosts mm-hmm. yeah i'm i thought it was really surprising that they went straight to diablo 5 instead of diablo 4 well, more surprising, I think, is StarCraft Ghost being a Wii U exclusive. I thought it would have been on, on the, the Switch, but right, those Blizzard guys, they're crazy. Yeah, that's right, the Switch. We haven't talked about that. Another day, another day, oh my god, the hour. Oh, you guys want to talk about the Switch? No. Yeah, yeah. Diablo 5 on Switch. This podcast has already gone on a while. We probably, we maybe we should just do a bonus round all about the Switch. Yeah, and just remember that that trailer they showed in that, uh, of the Switch had a very janky version of Skyrim playing, but we should all be very excited for its power. It's, it's never coming play. out. It's Skyrim or the Switch? Switch? Skyrim on Switch. Oh, Diablo Five never coming out, right? <laughs> Diablo Five, no, that will come out. <laughs> Give it a couple decades. Hmm. Yeah, maybe we should do a Switch bonus round in a couple weeks. Why not? That'd be fun. Yeah. See what everyone thinks. Yeah, we should. We we'll We can. We should ask the staff and see if anyone else wants to record that. We'll be very excited, people, because we're going to have a Switch episode coming your way. <laughs> somebody has to balance me out on this. I, I'm sure it, w- it won't be hard to find someone optimistic about the Switch just to balance out your negativity, Josh. That, I think we can manage. I... But maybe we should wrap this podcast up before we <laughs> yeah, before we change subjects that. again. <laughs> I can feel like my jaw tightening as I want to go oh, off. No. Yeah, let's stop here because this was a really positive podcast. Did you know? Yeah. Did you know that the Switch controller to... has NFC communication, so you can incorporate your amiibos with the Switch? Oh my I god, see... it's a Josh Curry dream. That would be really mm-hmm. important if I was still receiving uh, amiibos from my anonymous donor. But <laughs> are you upset? They, are you upset that I cared about me? <laughs> are you upset I didn't send you an amiibo this year for your birthday? <laughs> I, I got lots of promises this year, and, and nothing actually came I didn't, of it. So. I didn't promise anything this year. I just told you last year I would send you one. No, you uh, you promised the all the, the Zelda ones. <laughs> okay, all right, all right. I'll I'll send you an, e- an amiibo for Christmas, Josh. Yay! Oh the best part is you're gonna get these amiibos, and you're immediately gonna like throw them out. No, <laughs> I actually I set them on my desk at my house. <laughs> that makes sense. They're cool figures. You got your yeah. little action figures. You can the worst part about this, and this is where have I have a make out. This is where I go into like self-loathing. Like, <laughs> um, everybody's heard my feelings about amiibos. Yep. But then the collector in me, I get it, and I look at the box, and I was like, I shouldn't open this box. Oh no! Like, 
It's like, I don't care about the Amiibos. Why am I not opening them? And I just stare at them, and then they stay in the box. So they're sitting in boxes. Oh, no. No, no, no. Yeah. Gotta take them out. It's not like I need to use them. Nintendo doesn't even use them in their games. Why would I need to use them? (laughs) That's all changing. And on that note... Thank you for listening Man. to a wonderful episode. Yay. I even said we should oh, stop before we counter. change subjects, and we changed and we subjects it. twice. We did it. We did it. Oh, man. You're right. You're right. We uh, did it. Self-fulfilling Yay. prophecy. So, it's winter time. People remember that Child Light is wonderful. Support developers that you like. Yay. Keep enjoying Retro Encounter. We appreciate you listening. And just for clarification... You play is garbage. You have a you play is just the worst. It, it like it it makes me like Ubisoft <laughs> games less every time I have to deal with that stupid you play interface. I love you, Mike. Oh, God. That was almost that was almost finally a clean ending. But <sighs> then you you really you play is it's that like, awful, I agree. It's like it deserves it's like, it's like I go to a bakery, and I buy a cupcake, and then when I'm about to leave with my cupcake, they're like, wait a second, there's one last thing, and then they just drop a turd on your, ch- on your cupcake. And that's, that's I thought you were you saying your chest. I was like, what bakery no. are you going to? No. The like, best kind of bakery? Where do you... Yeah, you play is the unwanted turd on top of your cupcake, and the game is, your, cup- the, the game is your cupcake in this metaphor. Same you thing should- with Origin and all that crap. I no. Think- I no, think that's not even fair. I think that's origin, not even fair to Origin. Origin is a little better than Uplay. Uplay is sure, just it's better. Better. a lot Still better like than Uplay. It. Still like, useless to me. Uh, I, I think Uplay is 20 times worse than Origin. But maybe we should actually end this podcast and just, instead of just talking about ending this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Bye, friends. Thank you for listening. At The Real Monsoon on Twitter. Jitty Kirk. darker than it seems